Hello, and welcome to UK Life Abroad. This week, I'm joined by my co-hosts Brianna, Alexa, and Nathan. With Ukrainian video gaming on the rise in 2019, how did the industry traverse 2020, and what does the future hold? This week, we share our own gaming experiences and spotlight the works of various developers in Ukraine. This and more on Zakhrdonyu Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. I'm quite fascinated with uh, playing games. I play quite on the regular basis. I know. What about you guys? Do you play games? I think a lot of our generation does because we're kind of in that era where it's not like NES, Zelda, where everything was pixelated. We have like the ability with like new technology to actually experience like VR and stuff. So 4K games. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it's like everyone in our generation, even if they're not like avid gamers, are still kind of fascinated by the, the advances. And considering that everyone has, like, a phone, everyone has some sort of, like, mobile game now, like, either Solitaire. For example, me, I play Solitaire or... Pro gamer right here, Andre. Hell yeah. Or, like, um... Do you do that competitively? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I time it. (laughs) Legit, on Sudoku, I play Sudoku, I always try to get, like, my leaderboard is, like, under three minutes. What a nerd. I'm, like, expert mode. I've got up to two minutes. I'm trying to break two minutes. This guy. Well... Aren't you addicted to chess at the moment? Well, yeah, I was addicted to chess when I was recovering from surgery. Um, But I kind of play more like real-time strategy and um, there's like civilization building games because I used to be into the first like first-person shooters. But I don't know, just I like being able to like destroy other nations. (laughs) Typical (laughs) teenage guy. Yeah. So, were you the person at the beach who would like destroy other people's sandcastles too? No, I'd have to, like, build up my little sandcastle army of, like, little men and be like, charge! No. Um, <laughs> I also play a lot of old games, too, because, you know, still some of them still... All play. the Sid Meier's and, like, yeah, Age yeah, of Empires, the uh, glory Age games. Yeah, the, yeah, all those ones. What do you play, Alexa? So, yeah, like, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, like, a sucker for, like, games from when I was a kid. So, I love, like... And I love real strategy games that every now and then, like, can go for a good, like, shooter game, like, Chernobyl, um, like Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl, that kind of stuff. I think anything that like you can just zone out in and play, yeah. like immerse yourself in for a couple of hours is always fun. Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. Oh, yes. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I love how you guys are like talking about full on, you know, hardcore computer games. And then there's me and like my PS2 that has really shit graphics. And <laughs> Oh, I'd love to have my P- like the PS2 again. It's such a good game. Solid games on that. I just started um, replaying Need for Speed Carbon. Oh, my God. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Not have expected that. (laughs) Sims a lot as well. But, like... My cousin is addicted to Sims. But, like, my computer doesn't have a disk drive, so I can't... Like, unless I get it on Steam or Origin or something like that, like, I can't play it. And I don't know. I haven't gotten around to it. That's what's helped grow the industry, stuff like Steam. And it's allowed, like, a lot of indie games and games from unknown companies to kind of break out onto the global stage. Yeah, which kind of takes us to, well, not kind of, it takes us to today's topic, which is uh, gaming in, or Ukrainian gaming companies. And we should probably clarify, when we talk about gaming, we're talking about video games, uh, not gambling. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, because I know there's a lot of stuff in the news about Ukraine's gambling laws, but that's not the focus of today. So, um, most famous Ukrainian game guys. Cossacks. Stalker, as we mentioned before. What would be another one, Andre? Oh, Metro. That's a pretty big game. I think that's the biggest out of all of them now. 
Yeah, and then the other famous one that's been making the rounds lately is Warface, which is a free-to-play online shooter. So, Brianna, what do you know about Cossacks? Uh, Cossacks is a franchise of games that was uh, made by the company that Andre mentioned before, GSC Game World. Um, so, the original game was released in 2001. It's set in 17th and 18th century Europe, uh, as this time period would make it like the logical continuation of Age of Empires. So, when this game was being developed in late 90s, uh, Age of Empires was big then and um, the developers were like, we don't want to be competing with Age of Empires. We want to be like a succession to it. So then they made this game and it basically allows you to like create your own story of what happened in Renaissance Europe. Um, so originally designed to be about the confrontation in Ukraine and Russia, uh, it would have had only four nations, Ukraine, Russia, Europe and Turkey. But at an exhibition in Cannes, France, the demo version of the game received such good reviews that it was decided to increase the number of playable nations to 16. Um, I love how they're going to make Europe just one country <laughs> originally. Because yeah, that totally works. It's, it's not like there was like six other major countries there. It's easy to, easy to develop. So Yeah, yeah. true. The cool thing about playing as the different nations is that each one has specific architectural styles and um, technology and perks that allow you to build and explore the map and uh, develop your armies at you know faster or better rates than other uh, than other nations. So, for example, uh, if you're playing as Poland, your musketeers would take the longest to produce, but would be the cheapest. Uh, as Ukraine, your Sich Cossacks are the fastest cavalry units in the game and are the best used for harassing the enemy and raiding. While as Venice, your land army is pretty much crap, but you've got the best navy. And this difference between the countries is generally quite historically accurate, uh, to the point that nations which are historically underdeveloped cannot build or fight as well as others. Um, so in this way, it's teaching you not just about strategy and, and how to like develop your army and uh, do stuff, but it's also teaching about history as well. They even have like an a comprehensive encyclopedia to educate you some more. So I feel like they went into way more detail than Age of Empires because I found Age of Empires that have like one unit that was different and then the rest is like the same. They're actually very... So if you go into like the civilization trees... It actually each in Cossacks or no no, no in in Age of Empires each um, civilization has its own unique uh, like passive abilities and stuff like that. So um, like if you're playing as Franks and you start building up archers, you're going to get destroyed because uh, Franks is like a knights or a cavalry one. And like even to the point because okay, I'm in an Age of Empires group on Facebook, <laughs> and like still to this day they're releasing new civilizations and people try and like match them up and stuff. And there's, like, different strategies. So, like, Persians, for example, their town centers um, have more health. So, people will build, like, a town center next to their enemy's town center. And so, <laughs> because they'll both be firing at each other, the Persian town center will always end up uh, withstanding. It's called Persian douche. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from what my understanding is, is that Cossacks uh, was meant to be, like, a. well, it, it seems like a more harder version of Age of Empires, really, because I think there's a lot more strat, isn't there? Yeah, I played it for, like, two hours, and I was like, it's 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 similar, but it's, like, different. And some of the other parts, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go back to Age of Empires. But, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I appreciate the game. So, yeah. 
No, I always like found Cossacks cool because you could play as Ukraine. It's like one of the few games that let you do it's it. It's called Cossacks. Like, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you know, that's good. Everyone's going to be like, oh, Cossacks. Never heard a game about Cossacks before. But yeah. I think Ukraine's other most famous export that, you know, is most clearly associated with Ukraine would be Stalker. Yeah. So, um, also made by GSC Game World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, Stalker is a pretty, it's, it's a weird fan pace because it's either like you're a fan and it's like the best game you've ever played right and like you love it to death or you have no idea what it is and you're like what i don't get any of it (laughs) yeah so it's 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 one of those like fan paces where it's like the extreme of one or the other you can't be in the middle and um so the first game's all about uh this guy going into the center of the Chernobyl reactor to go to this uh, wishmaker to find out what's happening in the center. And so the setting of the game is based in Chernobyl after a second explosion that happens in 2008, where it creates this uh, like crazy zone where there are these artifacts which give you artifacts which give you these like special abilities, and there's all these like mutants and uh, anomalies in terms of like. Uh, it's like small radiation areas where like it has like weird natural phenomena that occur. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so there's three games in the franchise franchise, and it all revolves around this one area. So, I remember at school, Stalker was the first like Eastern European game that became really popular and like all my mates were playing it. And I was just like, I always found it quite cool that like, you know, it got them to see Ukraine in, like, another light because they were like, oh, like, it's such a cool game. Um, and they all got really into it for, like, a, like as a while as, like, you know, all teenage boys do. I feel like the name isn't the best, though. Would you play a game called Stalker? Well, it's actually yeah. it's actually meant to be an acronym. And um, Okay. Yeah, so it's meant to mean scavengers, trespassers, adventurers, loners, killers, explorers, and robbers. So, stalkers. Yes. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not like your like typical stalker where someone's actually following someone else. It's a completely different meaning in this so sense. I, f- I think we should also highlight that GSC Game World is sort of almost like the genesis of gaming companies in Ukraine because a lot of the gaming company, the the big gaming companies that have sprung up in Ukraine, a lot of their creators got their start in uh, GSC Game World. And um, so, no, it's kind of, like, cool that this one company has kind of sprung up an industry in a sense. Yeah. So, but in this case, um, a lot of the, like, workers from this company, they had disagreements in some cases or just didn't want to work there anymore. And so, they created their own companies. And so, a lot of the other companies, they have, like, a similar, um, a similar setting or, like, uh, it's based on the same ideas because... One, the other, like, a big game is Metro, and a lot of people have played that, and it actually became really big. And um, they have, like, a sort of similar thing where uh, it's Eastern Europe's gone to a post-apocalyptic setting, and so there's all these, like, creatures, and you can't really live there anymore. It's that same sort of idea, but, um, yeah, they've took it, like, a different way. Yeah, so there's a lot of like these companies that have been building up and um, Kiev Post back in 
2019, they wrote that the number of gamers in Ukraine in 2019 will increase to 15.5 million, who will spend a total of 203 million uh, in the industry as a whole. So over the last few years, the game industry in Ukraine has been building up and post-COVID, which we'll get to later. Um, but it's been slowly, slowly building up over the years and there's this continued trend. So we thought it'd be interesting to look at uh, exactly what kind of different game companies there are, what are some of the things that they're working on. And, you know, if you guys haven't heard of these games, you should probably uh, check them out. Yeah, so Ukraine's gaming um, scene is still, like, it's not a young gaming development er- um country but it's still a growing like it hub sector with a lot of international companies uh, opening studios or branches within ukraine and so as a result of this a lot of ukrainian companies have worked on major like worldwide famous games like they've worked on assassin's creed world of tanks you've had companies that have contributed to um like the walking dead game burnout paradise Angry Birds. So there's a lot of like games that even if you're not into the gaming scene, you've at least heard of games that Ukrainian companies have helped develop. And a big part of this is that um, Ukraine is located in the heart of Europe and a lot it's only like a two hour flight from most like major European cities. And so and because it's so cheap to op- to hire staff and that they, they can speak English, um, it's kind of caused the industry to grow quite quickly because it's not hard to set up an office in Ukraine. Yeah, so I was looking into some of these companies and I noticed that like you have about half of them make games like Cossack, Stalker, Metro, but I found a lot of them also make small games. Like there's one called Roommate Studio, it's a developer, and it makes a lot of like puzzle escape games, which I thought was like interesting because it goes into that mobile gaming market, which I feel like there's a lot of money in that market because you have a lot of like you know, paywalls and stuff in games and it kind of keeps them afloat. So, yeah. And the um, interesting thing is that Ukraine has now recognized esports as a official sporting discipline. And this year, Ukraine will host its first um, esports competition. It's actually happening right now. So, it started on the 18th of January and will end on the 28th of March. To So, it coincides with the Counter-Strike gaming season at the moment and um at the moment they're still in the um elimination phase before the uh before 12 teams make it into the finals and they will be playing for a grand total of 250,000 revenues which f- equates to about 9,000 US dollars or just over 11,000 Australian dollars so it's good like you know it's a small it's starting off it's not like you know the South Korean or American gaming scene where you can win million dollar prizes, but you got to start somewhere. And I think 250,000 revenues in Ukraine will take you a long way. So, as I mentioned, like, you know, it's all these games and over the years since these games have been released, uh, these companies have been building up. But the last indication we had was that it was big in 2019, but of course we know what happened in 2020 with COVID. So, Brianna, what's happened with COVID? Has it messed everything up? Uh, generally speaking, yes, but for the gaming industry, no, it's actually been quite positive. Um, so, uh, with more people staying home than ever before, static gaming console sales have skyrocketed. Like, I don't know what it was like in the rest of the world, but here in Australia, you know, the PS5 console sold out before it even 
got to sale, right? And was pre-sale or whatever? Yeah, yeah, pre-sale. pre-order. Yeah. Pre-order. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good indication that a lot of people are turning to gaming to try and while away the time that they're spending at home. Um, it's also uh, creating like a resurgence in people going back to the classics and intergenerational intergenerational gaming. So, like, you know, uh, families with young kids who, you know, have parents have just had to like try and teach them the whole curriculum from home when schools were shut would be like, oh, how would we keep the kids entertained? And then they'd like all take out the Wii or the PlayStation and play together sort of thing. So it's it's bringing families together in a sense in front of the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's good that like with the creation of Steam and stuff like that, you don't have to go to the store like you would in the 90s, for example, and actually buy the games. Like the market is basically just delivering them straight into your home. So that's one, I guess that's a good thing as to why this tech industry is kind of, you know, doing well, better. Kind of ironic though that like, you know, up until 2020, you'd always have parents like say, go outside and play. And now it's kind of like Corona. It's like, oh, no, no, stay home. It's fine. Yeah, stay home. It's good. Check out Stalker. <laughs> <laughs> the future of gaming, it, there's always something to improve on. Because um, if you look at VR, like that was only like a recent thing that started coming around and now it's getting even better and better. And so, I I don't have hope. I kind of like already see it happening in that um, Ukraine's uh, gaming industry will actually grow bigger and i think a lot of people have moved to like this like first person horror survival gameplay because i think it gives like a lot of interest into the game it's a because a lot of the games that you play now it's kind of like really boring and it's all like repetitiveness but i feel like this type of genre gives a more like a story-based uh action that you guys can play that's how i see it and so i think um there's a lot of potential to come along from this. In the news this week, a report by Ukraine's state border guard revealed that over 11 million Ukrainians travelled abroad in 2020. The most popular working destinations were Poland, Hungary and Russia, while the most popular holiday destinations were Turkey, Egypt and Qatar. Last year, 3.4 million foreigners visited Ukraine from 192 countries. Canada has launched a mobility working group to expand collaboration on migration between Canada and Ukraine. The group will aim to increase opportunities for Ukrainian youth to travel to Canada once COVID-19 restrictions ease. They will also aim to promote Canada's economic immigration program in Ukraine. President Zelensky fulfilled a key election promise as the Vohovna Rada passed a bill on national referendums. Supported by 255 deputies, the bill clarified how to conduct a referendum and also allowed for the possibility of holding e-referendums online. Under the law, only one question can be posed at a time and a referendum cannot be held during an election. Visit our social media posts to find out what kind of questions this law prohibits a referendum from asking. The Ukrainian state-run arms corporation is looking for foreign investors to help it complete a second Antonov AN-225, also known as Maria. It is the world's largest transport plane and has been used to transport supplies across the world, including PPE at the height of the COVID pandemic. Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life Abroad content.